Hi, and welcome to the Mindful Shape Podcast. I'm Paula Parker. This podcast is dedicated to those of you who are really ready to release any excess weight and finally be at peace with food. And I'd like to mention that I'm really thinking of those of you who have connected with me either through email or on Instagram. Um, while I'm recording this, like I'm alone by myself, uh, up in the office. Um, but I am truly thinking about you and that's why I'm doing this. Okay. I don't have a ton of time today, so I'm just going to get right to it. Many of us have been trapped in diets and feeling miserable about our bodies for just way too long. And it really doesn't have to be like that. Many of us were taught to simply eat less and exercise more and we'd lose weight. But as we know, there's way more to it than that. There are deeper reasons why we started turning to food in the first place, and that's what we have to put our energy toward because when we solve for that, the real problem, the overeating goes away on its own. So today I'm talking about staying committed for the duration of your weight loss journey. And this is a topic that was suggested by one of my meetup members who, by the way, lost five pounds in the first month of our meetup sessions, which is so awesome. So if you're in the Pacific time zone, be sure to check that out. We meet about once a week, usually on Monday or Tuesday at around 7 p.m. Not around. (laughs) We meet at 7 p.m. And we have a new topic every week. So I'll link to it in the show notes, but you can also just go to meetup.com and search for Mindful Shape to find it. The group is called Mindful Shape Weight Loss for Women. So of course it's for women, it's for those who identify uh, as women and for non-binary as well. Okay, moving on. I have a few different strategies to help you commit to your weight loss journey, but first I want to share with you this concept that I learned called the four C's formula. It's by Dan Sullivan and it's for achieving goals, but I think it will really help you understand what's going on when you're having a hard time staying committed. And it really sets the stage for all of the tactics I'm going to share with you. I like to kind of think of it as a path towards your goal. So the first step on this path (laughs) is uh, C, the first C is commitment. So we start out, we commit to a plan or a protocol, but what happens is that we experience resistance to it and we feel all the unwanted feelings like self-pity, resentment, fear that it's going to be terrible. And then we start questioning the plan or doubting ourselves. This is why I always warn my new clients that this is likely to happen for them just right after they sign up for coaching. Nothing is going wrong. It's totally normal. Our brains want us to do things that are comfortable and familiar. It's like our survival brain mechanism, right? And we have lots of thoughts about how it's going to be hard, right? It's going to mean deprivation because that's been our experience in the past. So who wants to sign up for that? Now, the first step of your program should really be getting your hormones adjusted so that you're not hungry all the time or having cravings. Um, because once your body is recalibrated, you will have already solved for the physiology part of it. And then you can really focus on the psychological part of weight loss. And if you're new and you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Here's a quick explanation and a review for those of you who have uh, listened to a few of the episodes already. 
When we overeat foods with flour and sugar, they spike our dopamine in our brain, which feels great in the moment, but over time, when we continue to eat this way, our dopamine receptors don't function properly. They become downregulated, meaning they, they need more and more glucose from sugar and flour to achieve the same great feeling. This is how addiction happens. That's why you feel like you need more and more to get the same enjoyment and pleasure. This creates what we can think of as over hunger. It's a hunger for more and more glycogen. But when you get off sugar and flour, and yes, you'll go through withdrawal at first, eventually you won't even have the desire for these foods and you'll get so much more pleasure out of like plain tasting foods, vegetables, grains, and meat. And I can tell you this from experience because I went from someone who really loved candy and dried fruit, like dried mango and dried papaya, thinking that those were really like healthier options to now where I don't really even eat fresh fruit because I just find it too sweet. And I never thought that would happen. And you might be thinking, well, I don't want to give up fruit. And I totally get that. And you don't have to ever. But what I'm saying is that I don't even have the desire for it anymore. That's what this is all about. Removing your desire for sugar and flour so that you're not having to constantly hold down your cravings like a beach ball underwater. So the first C is commitment. And this takes me to my next C in the formula, courage. I know that many of you will get turned off by the idea of cutting out sugar and flour on a daily basis. I know this because it would have really turned me off when I was still trying to figure this all out. I couldn't imagine limiting myself to one or two servings of sugar and flour a week. Like I ate toast every single day. So if you're with me and you're willing to try, you are on the next step of the path, courage. It takes courage to try something new, something that you know will be a challenge. And it takes courage to be with all of those unwanted feelings that come up without turning to food. It takes courage to ride out an urge and just allow it rather than resist it. However, if we practice courage enough times, we start to believe ourselves to be capable of actually doing it. This is the third C, capability. So what does this look like in our example? I want you to imagine that it's Friday night and you've been sticking to your protocol all week and it's been a long week at work. So it's been stressful as usual and you're tired and you're hungry and you don't want the salad and cold chicken breast that you had planned. (laughs) Maybe your partner suggests ordering pizza and that sounds a million times better. This is your sacred moment. This is when you practice the courage of doing something different. You tell your partner, that sounds great. You go ahead and do that, but I've already planned my salad and chicken. (laughs) Remember your food can be boring. Your life can be exciting, right? That's what we're going for. And you practice having the courage to feel the FOMO, the deprivation, the self-pity, all of that. And you do this the next day and the next and the next. And before long, you know you are capable of sticking to your plan. Weeks go by and you develop the last C in the formula, which is confidence. You now have the skills to maintain your weight loss. What we typically do is commit. Then we have to have the courage, but we feel the deprivation, the self-pity. We say, you know, this isn't for me. I I quit. I'm out. And we turn back only to start again a little while later and commit again, right? After usually after we've gained a pound or two or more. When you do this on repeat, you get the opposite of confidence. You have no trust in yourself 
or your ability to lose weight and keep it off. So that's the four C's, commitment, courage, capability, and confidence. So I touched on the main issue, which is to develop the capacity to feel unwanted emotions. And I don't want to breeze by that. It's really big in this process. So it's key and it leads me to my first strategy for commitment, which is reminding yourself that you don't have to feel good all the time. Why do we expect this? I know I did. And I think throughout my 20s, I was really oscillating between extreme hopefulness and optimism and extreme disappointment and pessimism. I wanted all the good things in life, but I really didn't want to have to feel all the negative emotions that went along with working hard and getting them. So watch if you have some entitlement around feeling good all the time, or even most of the time. What if from day to day, it's more like a bell curve? There are always outliers, but throughout the day, we have a few lows, a few highs, but for the most part, we're doing okay. I mean, I'm totally making this all up, (laughs) but how would it serve you to think that this was the case? We can look at people who we think have everything we could possibly want. Like they have the ideal bodies. Maybe they have millions of dollars, fame and power, right? On Instagram, we see these people. And I'll bet if you asked them, they would say that they have a bell curve experience most days. I don't know anyone like that personally, but when I meet one, I'll be sure to ask them and let you know if my hypothesis is correct, okay? What I'm saying is that you don't need to feel a certain way to be to keep your commitment. You don't need to feel inspired or motivated. You simply need to decide and then keep deciding on purpose and by default. So let me use marriage as proof of this. When you get married, you make a commitment. You make a decision to be with that person and only that person. Okay, so during my consultations, I always ask out of a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to reaching your weight loss goal? What do you think people say? What would you say in this moment? How committed do you feel out of one to 10? I'll tell you, very rarely do I get the response of 10. Now I want you to imagine asking somebody on their wedding day, just before they're about to go up the aisle, on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to staying married? (laughs) Imagine if someone said, hmm, well, you know, to be honest, probably like a seven or an eight. How do you think that marriage is going to go? And yet when it comes to weight loss, we think that we can be less than a 10 and still get there. No. You need to do the work on your brain to get you to a 10. Otherwise, why keep trying and failing? You could simply say, you know, I'm okay with this shape for myself. That's totally an option for you. It's a very valid option. There's nothing that you need to change. But if you consider that and think, no, I really want to release this weight. I have good reasons. I like my reasons. Then go all in on it. Everything you've got. And if you're thinking, well, I'm only an eight on my commitment, it's because you're using your past as a reference for your future because a 10 on commitment is you're thinking about your future, right? And we all do that. For those of you who were Dr. Phil fans way back in the day, you might remember him saying the best predictor of your future is your past results. That's what we've been taught. And this line of thinking is using probability, what's likely to happen based on the past as a basis for all your decisions. 
So what I mean is you don't want to decide to be a 10 on the commitment scale because of your past results, but this is the very reason you don't have the result yet. It's because you're not a 10. You haven't decided to recommit in the moment of an urge to overeat that you don't have your result. And it can feel really uncomfortable to make that decision to be a 10 because of what we think it's going to mean. We might think it's going to mean feeling deprived or feeling anxious, all of the emotions that we've currently been eating over. But I want to offer that instead of using your past as evidence of what you can do, it's much more fun to live in possibility and use your future as a reference for your decisions. There's nothing that we can do about the past. It's done. But your future is your property. You get to have a say here. What if you knew that you could build the capacity to feel all of those unwanted emotions? What if you knew that you could learn how to manage an urge without overeating, without complying to it? Would you be a 10? Of course, right? Because nothing could stop you. And I want to reiterate the point that you do not have to feel inspired and motivated the entire time you are losing weight to reach your goal. It's impossible anyways. So ask yourself, is that your underlying belief? You'll know it is if in the moments you don't feel inspired or motivated, you give up. You think it's not working. You think you simply lack willpower or you just can't do it, but that's not it at all. Your brain has a false belief. It's connecting staying on your plan with inspiration and motivation. But what if all you needed was determination in those moments? What if when you had an urge, it was really an opportunity to recommit and maybe you could feel self-pity, despair, deprivation, and still stay on your plan. What if that was true? The Olympics are happening right now, or maybe they're finished. I actually don't know, but think of those athletes and how hard they train. You know that they don't want to train that hard every single day, but they've mastered their brain to get to where they are, to get themselves to do it. Right. And it's totally possible for you too. However, <laughs> I know you have many other goals and commitments competing for your time and energy. You have work, relationships, projects, all of it. Sometimes you simply want to get a little emotional lift about achieving your weight loss goal, right? And feeling motivated and inspired at least once a day feels really, really good, doesn't it? So I'd like to share with you a formula I learned by Tom Bilyeu from Impact Theory, which is a really motivational podcast for health and personal development. If you haven't heard it yet, um, I would totally um, urge you to check it out. He gets really interesting guests on there and he asks them really good questions. He kind of asks them those questions that like you want to ask that you think are might maybe are dumb questions, but he asks them anyways. And he says, motivation comes from ascribed meaning plus embodied enthusiasm plus increased stakes. So if you want to increase your motivation in the moment, all you need to do is increase one of these variables. So I went over that pretty quickly. So let's uh, dig a little deeper into this one so that you can feel clear about it and understand how sometimes you're motivated and sometimes you're not and what to do about it. I know that for me, I rarely feel motivated when I don't have embodied enthusiasm. I interpret embodied enthusiasm as feeling the physical sensations of enthusiasm or excitement. Like if you've just received a great promotion or a new job and you can feel how energized you are in your body in that moment, right? 
you are super motivated to start that job, aren't you? But on a daily basis, that's almost impossible to generate when you're tired. And even if you're not getting up in the night with a newborn like me, you're an adult. (laughs) I know you're tired a lot of the time. So then if we can't generate embodied enthusiasm, we can turn to the next variable, ascribed meaning. To me, that means the meaning you assign to your goal, what it would mean for you and your life to fit into any size clothing that you want, to get up in the morning and just be able to pick anything from your closet because you know it all fits, to feel good in your body, to feel agile, to feel light on your feet, and to feel completely in charge around food, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter how hard of a day you had or what the occasion is, you get to decide, right? You feel in charge. That can be easier to generate because you can simply write a list of all of the positive aspects of reaching your goal. Now, I'll be honest and tell you that I've done this exercise and sometimes it felt so great and I felt really motivated and sometimes I felt defeated. I felt kind of terrible. So why would I feel like that? Because my brain was focusing on the, yeah, but you don't have that now. And how will that actually happen? Like, ah, is that really possible? And if you are having a good day and you can master your mind to turn that around, then great. You'll increase your ascribed meaning and you'll feel more motivated. However, as a human, you probably won't be able to do that every time. I I just had that voice come into my head like, just think positive. So annoying, right? So if you're in that place, if you're in that place in your head, it's a perfect space for that last piece of the equation the stakes. What's at stake for you if you don't release the weight this year? Imagine this day one year from now and you're the exact same size and you are experiencing the same relationship to food you are now. How would you be feeling? What if you continued on like this for more than a year? Think about yourself in five years or even 10 and maybe you've put on even more weight. I don't encourage you to spend a lot of time stewing in the muck of this line of thinking, but I think that for those of us who have difficulty experiencing all of the emotions without buffering them, even the happy ones, buffering them with food, it's helpful to connect with the consequences of what will be our reality if we don't do something differently. We are in the habit of not wanting to think about future negative consequences, such as like overeating tonight and how bloated and tired we're going to feel in the morning, right? That's just our habit of our brain. So we want to spend some energy, spend some time on changing that. Okay. My next point is I want you, and I've said this before, but I want you to make a list of all of the obstacles that could get in your way and come up with solutions beforehand. And you might think, well, I've tried that and it didn't work. (laughs) And I will bet that your solutions were all actions. They were all things that you were going to do when a craving struck or something like that. And that's great. It's good to have a plan. But what's missing is the thought that you're going to have in that moment. So you want to choose a thought as like an anchor thought ahead of time. Here are some examples of anchor thoughts that you can use when you run into obstacles about staying on your plan. So I can figure this out, or I know this feeling will pass, or I was expecting this. It's no problem. Nothing is going wrong. I can wait 10 minutes and then decide what I want to do. I am responsible. I'm in charge. 
Those are all anchor thoughts that you can use, but I encourage you to come up with your own ones that resonate for you. And my last point is to have a fail plan. Dan Savage, who you may or may not know, he writes a column in um, a number of different papers around the world. He says that 50% of men and 50% of women cheat. So maybe I'm naive, but I'm a little skeptical of this stat. I don't know where he got it from. This seems super high to me, but even if we reduced it by half, the odds are still pretty high that you will deal with infidelity at some point in your life. But we don't ever plan for that, right? We don't plan for how we'll deal with that if it happens. And we know we're not going to be 100% perfect on our protocol. So why do we pretend that's the case? Instead, have a fail plan for what you will do when you go off. What will you say to yourself? What will you think about it? What will you do the next time you're in similar circumstances that led you to overeat? Okay, so a brief summary. The four C's. The four C's that you will go through in achieving your goal are commitment, courage, capability, and confidence. If you're able to stay committed, have courage to stick it out, you'll build capacity and confidence. So it's really that simple. The reason you're able to commit to your relationship or your partner is because you decided and you are a 10 on that commitment scale, right? You're unwavering. You're not just going to like cheat. You're not just going to like, you know, flirt with some dude and go on a date with him if you're married, right? It's just out of the question. You made that commitment knowing you would have obstacles, but that you would overcome them no matter what. Of course, every relationship has obstacles, but you know you're going to get through it. You can do that very same thing with your weight loss. There will be discomfort. There will be some deprivation before you are fat adapted. You can still handle it. We need to remind our brains that we don't have to feel good all the time. Your mood and energy will fluctuate throughout the day, and that's normal. You don't need food to fix that. When you do want to generate motivation and inspire yourself, try increasing either your embodied energy, the purpose why you're even bothering with working all all of this, and or think about the stakes if you don't figure this out. What does that future look like? Is that what you want for yourself? What needs to change? Don't try and be perfect and pretend that you won't have obstacles to overcome. You know you're going to have urges. How will you deal with them? Build a plan for that. And also, how will you treat yourself when you do go off your plan? Break that cycle of beating yourself up and treat yourself with kindness. Okay, that went a little bit faster than I thought. I'm about to meet a new friend for a walk. It's Sunday afternoon and it's really sunny outside, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, And that's what I have for you guys today. So, or you folks, sorry, I'm trying to change that. That's what I have for you folks today. If you have any questions or you want to contact me, you know where to find me. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.